Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code PULPMX. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOSports.com and ThorMX. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOSports.com RacerX podcast show presented by Thor MX. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Thank you, everybody, for listening once again. Um, guy on the line I've wanted to do one of these with for a long time, uh, and I haven't got a chance to do it. Former 125 Supercross champion, maybe one of the most underrated 125 Supercross champions that is out there, and a member of the Michigan Mafia, Todd DeHoop. Thanks, uh, thanks Todd, for doing this. Absolutely. I'm kind of pumped. I'm, you know, you get out there once again, like I was saying, and you forget about all this stuff. You get to, get to be a normal person. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. And, and, you know, guys like yourself, uh, you know, who flew just under the radar of being a superstar, maybe get really forgotten really quick because even the dudes like RJ and Mickey Diamond and guys like that aren't really remembered in our sport, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, you know. you know they they were very dominant, and that made them the elite. And you know, for me, um, I I struggled because you know I did really well in the 125 class, mm-hmm. and I I won the championship. Like I got third, I got third in '87 behind yeah. Turpin and, and and Tishner, and I was I was right there. I was I was close. And then you know I pretty much when I moved to '88, I was thinking, all right, you know I'm going to dominate. I'm gonna, this is my year. And I did. I did well. I mean, I won mm-hmm. four main events, and I had a really good year. But that whole point out BS with the AMA yeah. screwed me over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it transferred me. I didn't even get a chance to defend my title, which you know, I. And that was all in that transition period where they were screwing around with the point system. One of the guys that's held up to uh, to that is always Jeremy Buell <clears throat> and and Mitch. And I think that's a little bit due to Mitch Payton. Yep. It was said a few times, more than a few times, that he always felt Buell got screwed by that rule. He was, you know, kind of just right there, ready to blossom, and got thrown into the deep end, and and right. never. And you know, you're a guy that, uh, yeah, looking at your career and your results, uh, and we'll get to that. Um, yeah. How things could have been different had you been able yeah. to defend that title, huh? Um, right, exactly. Well, I mean, I would have been against Denny and and Bradshaw, but I I was confident. I felt right. really good at my ability and. I was getting to that point where I was learning how to train mm-hmm. and trying to be better. Right. And, you know, I always relied up until that point on my ability. Yeah. So. And let's face it, too, the 89 RM125 was much better than the 88 one that you won. The yeah, it was. It was. The only thing it was not as good was the forks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they sucked. Um, hey, and I'm surprised you even want to do this in the first place after sending me an angry letter. Rightfully so. <laughs> Rightfully so, I must say. Um, um, before we had the Racer X Vault and I got a chance to, you know, dive into the results, uh, right. I wrote something about you winning the 88-125 title but getting lucky because uh, Mike LaRocco um, DNF'd a bunch of races. Right. but right. Or didn't show up, maybe I said. But the truth was that Mike actually crashed out of a couple of the races or mm-hmm. something happened where he didn't score any points. And typical Rocco. Right, right. And, and and so you didn't get lucky and it was a it was a douchebag uh move by me and you were angry. So I thank you for, for, for doing the podcast anyways. You could have just hung up on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wasn't I I wasn't really angry. I no, was just like, no. you know what? What the hell? I mean it was like you know, I the one the one accomplishment that I hold, you know, it's like all right, and then someone's like busting busting my balls, yeah. going. Yeah, that's that's all right. That's me. I'm just uh, like all right. I gotta kind of stick up for myself. Right, so. right. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, uh, and and I get it. And it was funny. And and yeah, I, I probably shouldn't have wrote that at all. It was uh, it was a great thing to get to, to to win, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But uh, let's. What are you doing now? What's Todd DeHoop uh doing these days? 
I am a on-the-road salesman for heavy-duty truck and trailer parts. So okay. all those trucks and trailers that you see at the races that transport all the factory bikes and everyone else's bikes, mm-hmm. I sell all the parts on those things, and believe me, it, they break all the time. <laughs> uh, I know, yeah. Uh, there's, it's funny because being a mechanic, as I was for a long time, there was a couple of trailer manufacturers. They, they just did the inside. But there's right. a couple of trailer manufacturers where if they did the inside of your truck, it was falling apart within a year. And yeah. there were others that were spot on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, I know. It's, so I you deal work with for it like, every day. like Mac and Cummins or, or like – No, like, I work for a company that's called Western Michigan Fleet Parts, and we okay. handle basically everything there is. The only thing we don't handle is we don't specialize in a lot of drivetrain parts because in our area – Mm-hmm. We have real strong drivetrain companies that oh, okay. do all the transmissions and, you know, motors. But we do, like, in-frame kits and, you know, all the stuff. Okay. All, everything that's crucial to keeping that thing on the road, yep. we pretty much, we're, we're a fleet parts company, so we cover every aspect right, of the whole right. thing. So basically so it, a company uh, subcontracts your company out to, to, to keep their trucks running, basically. Right. Well, yeah. well, we don't do any work. We just basically, we sell them all the... The aftermarket, the you know, the the remand stuff, yep. everything that's available, and so okay. it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty easy job because of the fact that those things break all the time. Right. But the there's a lot of competition in the market, mm-hmm. so it makes it to the point where you really have to fight for your sales because there's so much, so many people out there trying to undercut your prices and stuff. So do you do you drive all over Michigan or? I have two territories. I have the center of Michigan, and then I have um, a section over by Detroit because Detroit's so it's such a big area. Yeah. Where you know, and there's so many different you know companies in that industry there. Mm-hmm. It's it's you really have to kind of. I mean, you can have a like a 200 mile radius area right there in that in that cove. Yeah. You know, just where yeah. you hit all of them, and there'll be. 200 different trucking companies. Right, right, right. So, yeah. so you really got to be, you know, and then there's another guy that does another area and just, you really got to, wow. you got to stick to your area because it's, I mean, it's, man, it's busy. At, it's least you're really not, busy. at least you're not driving all over Michigan in the middle of the winter. Not fun. You know, it's, you know, it, <laughs> the last couple of winters, it hasn't been winter. Right, right. It's yeah. just ridiculous. You sound like my buddies in Canada, same thing. Yeah. Uh, so I got two snowmobiles and can't ride them. Yeah, so. same thing. My buddies are dying. They, they, they mm-hmm. can't get on them. Do you ever just go in there and throw down your, your, your championship plaque and be like, look, you really got to deal with me. Let me show no. you. Let me, let no. me tell you. <laughs> they have, in fact, my boss uh-huh. thinks that motorcycle racing, like in general, yeah. Is absolutely worthless. <laughs> great, great, awesome, right? <laughs> I mean, he just, like, he, I mean, he, he, like, first of all, he gives me a hard time all the time because I'm short, and then, like, he always calls me, like, you know, like, he gives midget jokes and this and that, but then always, like, motorcycles, like, he's a total, like, football, like, Michigan yeah, State, right, right. you know, Michigan, you know, then also the Pistons and the Lions, he's just yeah. all into all that stuff. You should be like, hey, dude, you know that Silverdome? Yeah, uh, 60,000 people were cheering for me. <laughs> Exactly. For me. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't even care. He's just like, ah, whatever. <laughs> oh, man. What are you going to do? Well, hey. And he, oh. and, he, and, he, and he doesn't even think it, what we do is a sport. He's like, ah, that's not even a sport. Uh, you know, people like that, you just want to maybe get them on a bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? And show them. Yeah, I mean, he's a like, super cool guy. But he just, right. you know, he, he really he tries to get my goat by doing that. Yeah, so yeah. I, um, just, I just say, okay, whatever. That guy, I'll tell you. Um, <clears throat> hey, I was, I was thinking, uh, I was looking back at your career and looking about your, your, your different results and. And I know you won a Loretta's title, um, which is, you know, which uh, when you did it, it, it was approaching what it is now. You know, in the early 80s, it kind of was like, ah, whatever. But when you did it, this are the, these are the days of, of, you know, the guys that were covered in the magazines and becoming superstars. So who did you race against when you won the title? And I guess it would be 86? Yeah. I imagine 86. Who were, like, your main amateur guys? Well, I beat Donnie Schmidt. That's who finished second. Okay. Me. He was on a Cowie oh. then. He would have been on a Cowie. Yes, yep. and uh, it was Donnie, um, there was like Rodney Barr, mm-hmm. um, uh, Rich Halstead, um, there was, I mean, Kenny Bolmeyer. there was all kinds yep. of guys back then were just really fast, um, and like Lachine, I raced him like the year before, and he won our class, and then you know, he kind of moved out and went on. I think it was maybe the year or year before that. I don't yeah. know. But, I, you know, I raced him. And I know I was raced Larry Brooks and, I mean, Danny Storbeck, all right. those guys. I mean, it was 
there were some fast guys these back are, then. And these are the days where a guy from Michigan, even though you guys had, you know, um, well, I guess Stanton would have been right around your era. But yeah, Stanton, um, me, we grew up together. Yeah, you guys grew up together. But I mean, the Michigan Mafia guys uh, before you, and the names escape me, like Bigelow um, yep. and yep. Um, Alan King. Alan King. But but these are the days where where if you're not from California or maybe Florida, it's hard to get the recognition. Like you, got, it was tough. You showed up at Loretta's, and they're probably like, "Who is this dude?" Well, I I had an in. I'll tell you the number one reason I had an in is because my dad was a pro, mm-hmm. and oh, okay. he and he also was um, he did like he was a rep for Husqvarna, and then he was he was really good friends with Chuck's son. I mean, you know, all the guys from that era, yep. he was good friends with. So it's like he knew all those guys really well, and so it was. Those guys came over to my house when I was young, when I was riding, like, mini Indians and in the, in the oh, yeah. MR50 Honda and all that stuff. So I grew up, and so there, he had a lot of connections in the business. So your dad, your dad must have been just a tear must have rolled down his cheek when you didn't uh, contest Huskies in the late 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I, wrote, I wrote a couple when Did I was you? young, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was kind of scary. Right. Um, well, that... The scariest thing was is when, you know, I, I'm pretty sure it was Chuck's son at Redbud went off, um, he went off the ski jump and he broke it in half. Oh, jeez. Literally <laughs> broke the forks and the whole thing right off. Uh, and, when Mick, and when Mickey Diamond and uh, Laporte, he probably, your dad probably had a big poster on the wall. Was talking oh, about he had comeback. all that stuff. I mean, he was, you know, I, in fact, Probably about four years ago, maybe five years ago, uh-huh. I had all the original like portfolio, like all the books. Oh yeah, yeah. With Roger and I mean Roger DeCoster, every one of them. I brought, I bought brought Roger, you know, his whole portfolio, and he signed it, and then I oh. gave it to Greg Prim. Oh, that's cool. All right, huh? Yeah. Um, and and let me get let me ask you this about Stanton, and, and I've asked a couple <clears> other guys this. Uh, there's no chance you saw Jeff Stanton being as good as he got to be right growing up like he i mean he was certainly fast and certainly determined and in wow. shape but to be the legend that he is now you didn't see that back then did you i beat jeff every weekend <laughs> at basically every race you know okay, and we right. went back and forth in the 80s and stuff like that yeah. and then we have pictures of us you know in the 125 class like me winning pontiac and him getting second and everything else but i beat him all the way up until you know, I was pretty consistent beating him until he went to Honda. Yeah. And then once he went under the wing of Ricky and stuff like that, Yeah, I mean, Ricky just elevated him. And, you know, Jeff has always been an exceptionally hard worker. Mm-hmm. And his his talent is, is just full of muscle the bike and just go fast until everyone else is just, you know, he, yeah. they just drop. And he just is constantly going fast, always. Uh, another guy, Eddie Warren. Did you race again? Yeah. Before your time, oh, yeah. a little bit before your Eddie time? was Eddie was um, couple. He was a couple years older than me, but we all yeah. hung around together. Right. And um, he was, you know, he he was. I think he won eighty six in Supercross the first 85, year. Eighty five. I think eighty five. Eighty five. Eighty five. Yep. Yeah. So. But you know, we always you know hung around and mm-hmm. you know it was you know <laughs> growing up. But he was always the fastest guy in Michigan. I mean, he was so fast on an eighty. Was it, yeah. it was it swing, was stupid. Faster and swing. I always hear the swing um, stories. I, I would say, you know, if you were comparing the two of them growing up yeah. and watching the results, it was very similar. Except Brian, you know, Eddie was just super fluid, smooth. Yeah. Where Brian was ridiculously out of control, fast, but still never crashed. You still never still hung it together. Yeah, um, I mean, he could just bounce off of stuff wide open and never yeah. crash and. Pull it out. Yeah, the Baja Acres swing stories I've heard from a few guys growing up, you Started. know, um, yeah. about just how ridiculous he was on an 80. Um, well, he could, he could ride the whole track and not, I mean, even in the corners and not shut off. Yeah. just <laughs> yeah, Anywhere. I think that's pretty much what I hear. Yeah, that's the same story. I mean, he I could, <laughs> I mean, there's my first picture, which I was one of the most proud of, is was me at Southwick, and I was coming through a corner and I had my handlebar dragging the sand and that was where I got my first fame from. Uh-huh. And I was like completely down on the ground with my handlebars dragging in the ground. And the reason I started doing that is because I was watching Swank through the corners on 80s. He would literally have his leg completely forward all the way out, handlebars touching with a clutch lever digging the ground as he's going through the corners. All right. Yeah. That's crazy. It's not. Um, yeah. So 86, you win Loretta's uh, 87, your rookie year. You do pretty good on a Yamaha. Um, what was that like as uh, racing those guys as a rookie and, and, um, you know, like, like I said, you, you did, you did well. Yeah. I, 
I felt good. I mean, I was always really, you know, confident in jumping. I think I kind of got that confidence from when I'd go to the races. I was kind of like the one of the first guys to to jump everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just was, you know, I was kind of, I was a little nuts. I was a lot of nuts, but yeah. um, I just one of the big things with me is I like I like to jump everything, and and so I got pretty confident from you know I could hear people talking like, well, you know, if the hoop's doing it, you know, I can, I think I can do it. So <laughs> that kind of gave me the the confidence to do to do better, uh-huh. and then it kind of accelerated from there. Um, did you get much help? Um, from I had yeah I had um pretty much full support from Yamaha. I mean I was getting I was getting I don't know four or five bikes and full you know I was getting full expenses back then like oh, okay. they were giving me so yeah I mean I didn't I I had to, my dad was working on my bike all the time and then right. right at the end let's see I'm trying to remember yeah and then Mark Johnson who I don't know if you remember do you remember Caveman uh no. No, although it sounds okay, familiar. he was my first mechanic, and okay. we started traveling together right at about the time you know when I started doing supercross, he was my mechanic from basically the beginning of the year in eighty six or no eighty seven mm-hmm. because at the end of eighty six we started we did Atlanta and the arena cross with like Cooper and stuff like that, and then I think rollerball was in that one I got that one on, yeah. on the greatest yeah. DVDs the greatest yep. uh, supercross DVDs my guy rollerball was in there. yep. Yeah, so then uh, Johnson started working for me, and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, uh, it was, he was really, really good mechanic. He just, you know, he, there, we went to the first, like, the first time we ever, it was funny because my dad hired him, I, I didn't, you know, he hired him out of Cycle News. Put an really? ad in Cycle wow. News, hired him out of Cycle News. He flew from, from uh, Moses Lake, Washington, mm-hmm. came down and flew to me in Florida, I have my box van down there. Shows up with a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, and one of those like push or like snap button shirts on. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, what in the hell? <laughs> I was like, I was like, couldn't even believe it. But yeah, he was like, shows up, and we went to the first race together, Atlanta, and uh, ended up going out in the main event. Got the whole shot, went around, hit the hit the catapult jump, and my seat flew off. Oh man. <laughs> he forgot to put the, he forgot to put tighten the bolts in my seat, oh. and uh, from that point on, I came back. I was so mad because yeah, I was leading, right. and uh, I had to ride around standing up the whole time, and I didn't end up winning. I was like, I don't know, I'm, I don't even know what I finished, but I was so mad. I said, I was, I just yelled. I was like, don't ever let anything like that happen to me again. And I never had a DNF. I never had a tire go flat or nothing yeah. the whole time he worked for me. Very, <laughs> it didn't start well, but yeah, but it ended over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just feel like like he got third in '87, like you said, behind Tishner and Turpin. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what number were you? Um, eight oh eight. Eight oh eight. That's it. Yep. I, I knew it was a, a funky looking number. And I just feel mm-hmm. like like if you know, as a rookie getting third, that that's a big deal. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, I, that's I felt good, good about. It. I mean, I was right. I was confident, and that's why when I went into the next year, and you know, we did a bunch of negotiating with with companies prior to you know going into that. Uh huh. Uh, how come you didn't um, do the nationals in '87? I did select few. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I, I think I did. Um, oh man! Do we need I think to up, I did. Do we need to update the Rex Vault here I, because I think I did Southwick, and I think maybe like I did Colorado, uh-huh. Redbud, and Sugar Tree. I mean, I did like you know Lake Sugar Tree and like I did like Brome Tioga. And Kenworthy's, mm-hmm. um, okay. I did Millville, and that well, was pretty much it. And that was, I you know, if I did, we need to get the vault updated. Then it doesn't have you for any nationals in '87. Yeah, I did. Uh, huh. Okay, I did all those in '87. In fact, I finished. Uh, I think I remember like um, I got seventh at Redbud that year in '87. Right, right. So at the end of '87, I can't help but think Yamaha's got Larocco, Ward, and you, and you end up getting turf. Or how does Suzuki make you an offer? How does yeah, that go down? I, actually, Honda had was the first preliminary offer. Um, I went out and me and my dad met with them, uh, Cliff White and um, Ron Turner, mm-hmm. and those guys sat down with those guys, and that was the first offer. And then I uh, went down and sat with uh, Pat Alexander and Tosh and a couple mm-hmm. other guys, and um, 
Um, Suzuki's was substantially better. Oh, okay. But what about the bikes? Were you worried about a, I mean, a Honda? You know, I watched Turpin and Tishner, and I, I knew point. their bike. I watched yep. their bikes, yep. and I was like, if I can ride that bike, <laughs> I'm good. So Yamaha had nothing for you? Didn't even want to try to keep you? or They, they didn't have – they had a similar offer except for the salary, and then, like, bonuses were yep. probably 50% less. Oh, so there was, like, a bidding war for Todd DeHoop in 88. <laughs> well, you know – I don't want to say it was a bidding war, well, but there was, you know, yeah, I had offers. I mean, yeah, so yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and how much was it? Do you mind if you, what was the salary? Can you, can you tell us? Or? Um, uh, it's like 20, 20 grand. 20 grand, yeah. Yeah. Which actually is funny because uh, in, that's what you made from Suzuki in 88. And right. uh, my buddy Tim Ferry made 25 grand in, from Suzuki in like 96. So right. it didn't, didn't change a whole they, lot. They were big time. spenders back then. Right. <laughs> um, and you were so – you, you, so you take the Suzuki offer, and uh, yep. this – was Hannah around then? Was he still yeah. working oh, with yeah. the, So Yep, Hannah, yep. You guys had a huge team, or maybe that I'm Donnie, thinking – Johnny O, Hannah, right. yep. Johnny O, Hannah, Donnie Schmidt, Tishner, Tishner Turpin. You, Tur- Turpin was – okay, yeah. Yeah, Turpin was there because he broke his leg, his femur in 88 when I was at, at Pontiac. Okay. So huge team. George Holland? Yep. No, no, Holland was Honda then. No, he was uh, Honda. Yep. Yeah. Eric um, Kehoe. Oh, Kehoe. Massive yep. team. Wow. Yeah. Um. So how was Hannah? What, what did he just tell you to go faster, and that was his only advice? No, he was really he was really cool. Was he? he yeah. You know, but Hannah and Johnny and Jim Felt, mm-hmm. those guys were the biggest jokers I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, scary jokers. Yeah. I mean. You didn't want to screw around with them, like try and get into that elite status of joking around because you just weren't qualified. You will lose. There's no yeah, way. You will lose, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I can tell you a story about Johnny O that, I mean, the, it was like, like entry into his like friendship realm. And I, was, I was in the hotel room with him mm-hmm. hanging out. And, I mean, I'm just sitting there watching TV, and he went into the bathroom, and he comes out, and he took a dump in his hands and like stuck it right up by, in my face. Why do I hear all these jokes about Stanton and O'Mara and I think Wardy that all have to do with poop? Pooping was oh. a huge, a huge joke thing with all of you guys back then. I don't get it. I do he did. Not understand oh, it was that. crazy. I mean, it, he was hilarious though. I mean, we had such right. a good time all the time. Stanton pooped in, a, in between two pieces of bread and tried to give it to Bentley. Uh, oh, you know, like, he did so many uh, such dude, crazy stuff. I know. I don't. Yeah. I don't get what you, what you guys were doing back then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, how's the bike in '88? How's the Suzuki? Uh, um, you know, like I said, uh, looking back, I would think the Honda would be much better. But you, you well, probably, and that was the it? that was the kind of the thing back then. I was having a hard time deciding. Mm-hmm. Like with the money, the money was the last from Honda, and the expenses were last. But I'm thinking the bikes probably better and i'm like you know what do i do you know it's like yeah 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 so but i knew that tishner's and turpin's bike was really good right and i was like all right i'm gonna go for it and the the first bike i got brand new i am down at croom riding i go out and i'm out there the first 15 minutes yep the transmission blows up the drum and the shift drum and the transmission cracks in half Really? And yeah. I can't, and that's the only bike I have. I call, I call up Suzuki. The parts are back ordered. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't ride. I mean, they're literally back ordered. No one has them. So I went to a machine shop and I had them build me one. Oh, man. And they built me one, and it, that thing lasted forever. But the second time I rode that bike, it locked up, it seized. <laughs> You're like, hey, Cliff, and, Cliff, can I, Cliff, is that money, yeah. is that deal still on the table? Exactly. But uh, it, it got better from there. So, I mean, right. we had, we had uh, R&D doing the motors and, you know, they had Nick, Nicocell, you know, once we went through that whole period of like, you got Nicocell liner cylinders right. and, you know, everything just went Things lasted from longer, just yeah. stock to like really good. Um, and, and then, so the, um, you wore high point gear? Uh, Did, gear. Did you wear gear in 80, 88? Okay. Yeah. Did you wear yep. high point the next year? I did in 89. Yep. Okay, yeah. Maybe that's it. Uh, uh, what's and you the... know, 
you know, I heard I've heard some you know some of your podcasts and stuff like that. Yeah. How much do you think Gear uh, um, uh, Gear paid me? Take a guess. Ah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean five grand. I don't even more. Know. Oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah, eight grand. Eight grand. Eight grand for for you. Wow. Yeah, I was I was pretty pumped. Right. <laughs> Times have that was like the best offer I could get. Times have changed that much. I, I think people are making uh, people are making eight grand to to just breathe air around you. You're getting paid that much. Um, yeah, and it's crazy. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's nuts. Um, so okay, so gear. That's John Ayers, right? That was John Ayers yep. back in Pennsylvania. Yep. Not the nicest good guy. Not the Treats nicest looking stuff, but not bad. Not bad. Back no, then. I mean he tried hard too, and he always I always had new stuff. Right. Which which was a big deal back then, yeah. It wasn't yeah. like nowadays. Um, so how how okay? So getting third, eighty eight comes. Uh, how confident are you um, going into the season? Your first win is at Daytona. I was confident. Yeah, you your yeah. times were good. Like your, your yeah, bikes were really good. I mean, I had won a lot of races like at in the Florida series at like at Dade City and and you know just different different races down there and right. I was feeling good. I mean, I I. Pretty much had yeah I was I was feeling it was you know you just you know you know how when you you're riding around the bike's good and you just you know it's it's right yeah yeah so, that's um I was it was good um well actually you got seventh in Daytona you won no yeah eight no you won Daytona eighty eight um yeah so the first round let me see here first round was at Daytona so that it opened up that way so you were on a roll right away who yeah. who who was your biggest competition that year it would have been uh, Jones. Mike, yeah. jo- Mike Jones, uh, like Larocco when he, like we talked about Larocco when he was there. Who else? Yep. Um, um, Canadian was, Carl Valencourt. Although I don't well, think he Steve- was. Stevenson was in there on 360. On, I oh, mean, yeah, there, right. yeah, he's on Kawasaki. And then um, there was, man, what's uh, what's his name from Florida that was really fast? Um, he did. K- K- Cowie? No, he was on a um, Kajiva. Oh. Man, now you're gonna make me look. Um, <laughs> um uh, Brian. Brian McElroy. Uh, yeah, McElroy's fast, especially in the sand. I think he got second or third. In fact, he he was uh, behind me and was closing on me. I was like, whoa, I'm, I Daytona, can't get beat by that thing. Yeah, yeah Daytona. Um, yeah, and I then I picked it up. Yeah, Chris Coleman got third. Yeah, uh, Chris Coleman was really good. Uh, Danny was in there. Kenny Kizar. Yep. I thought Valencourt was top ten, my Canadian guy, but guess not. Yeah, he was good. Um, that was tough, and you never wanted to bump into him. When did you when did you clinch it? Did you clinch it early? Um, no, I didn't. No, right to the wire. Yeah, because I had a bad round at at um, I think it was Houston. Uh huh. Um, what whatever the the um the um yeah. you know the shootout the yeah. shootout was right. I I crashed in the first corner and um broke my uh broke my clutch lever off. Um, so. So yeah, so you had to wait till the last round. And uh, what's your championship bonus? Twenty five grand. Yep. Which was like a million dollars back then. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, yep. and also too, uh, nationals. You got eighth that year, which is pretty damn yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I had some good rounds, and right. I I tell you what, as the most the rounds that or the one that bummed me out the most was is I was feeling really confident going into Redbud. Right. I'd practice really hard, trained really hard, and um, first or second lap of practice, it was typical muddy like Tim yeah. likes to do, and uh, came out. You know where it used to go down in the valleys? You used to make the U-turn, and then you hit the big triple? Yeah. And yeah. then you turn, and you make the double-double yeah, uphill? Yeah, double-double uphill, go to the left. Yeah, yeah. well, he had cut down the face of the takeoff ramp on the first double. Uh-huh. And I came around the second lap, and I'm like, you know, I'm, it's just normal. I just double the thing, right. you know, all the time. Yeah. And I hit it basically wide open, and I didn't make it. And I hit the rear wheel on the second jump, and it pitched me over the bars into the face of the next of that yeah, yeah. third jump. Right. And uh, it threw my hip and back out like three quarters of an inch. Like you know, I displaced my hip. Yeah. And. I mean, <laughs> Dr. Metzger was there to, to make it better, but not good enough. But I ended up, I had to ride that whole day with my back all jacked up. And, I mean, I was so mad because, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really thought I could, I mean, at least podium, but I had I thought I could give 
Kehoe and, and Holland to run there that day. I really was feeling that confident. Yeah, they, uh, they those were the two big guys back then. Yeah. Holland, Holland was looking good. Kehoe. Um, yeah, I don't know why Tim would do that. Why would Tim cut down that? <laughs> I doubled those things on a 250F a few years back. Yeah, it's you know if it's right, it's not hard. No, exactly. Jeez. Um, so at the end of the year comes and did you know you were going to point out? Did, did was no, this, I had no idea. Okay, so they changed it on you or something, or well, did they? No, the deal was. See, the the big problem was is that <clears throat> uh, Pat and those guys they had me run like four West Coast rounds on on four, on the two fifty. Okay. And so back then, all your points counted. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the year, regardless of what happened, I ended up being three points over. Oh, jeez. Because of those, yeah, three, of those two videos. Three races. points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so I was, only, they're like, yeah. I go to Suzuki, and they're like, yeah, we're, uh, we're good. We don't, we don't need you. Wow. <laughs> yeah, talk about kicking the nuts. Um, yeah. Three points over because you did some 250 races for them. Right, exactly. Uh, so, you know, obviously they weren't aware of it. You weren't aware of it. Nobody was aware they, of it. I think they were aware aware of it. <laughs> they just wanted to keep you for one year. Um, yeah. Yeah, I never got to one, run the number one plate, which really sucks. Um, right. Did, did you did you try to petition the AMA? Did you did you talk to them? Did you anything like? Um, we we talked to them, but yeah. they were not they weren't going to do anything. So yeah, yeah. Same with Red Dog got kicked out after '97, and he had a factory ride waiting for him back at Suzuki if he could get back in, but the AMA told him mm-hmm. to on sand. Same same thing. Right. Um and I I think that's isn't that like the whole thing with what like Surratt did with his with his lawsuit and all that stuff? Didn't have that something to do with that? I thought it was just because the bike broke on him or something. I didn't know there oh. was anything to do with points. But as you know, I mean I'm sure you follow the sport now. It's a constant change of rules and juggles oh. and, and I mean it's a ridiculous. They yeah. they you know they basically changed the rule for Trey Kennard. Which I agreed right. with, but they they basically all said, including Mitch, "Hey, yeah, Trey can't. You know, he's not ready to be moved up." And so they changed it again. And now Tickle got caught in it. You know, where the fact that Mitch had to honor a contract, it's right. still. You know, here we are, uh, uh, twenty some years later to hoop, and yeah. the rules are still effed. They're still jacked. You know. Like, oh yeah. Still yeah, no, it's no it's clarity. retarded. Right. I mean, you know, and. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't think they have a. I mean, at some point, I think they don't have a good grasp on yeah. what's going on. I think they, you know, they they try hard, but they just get lost. <laughs> yeah, they and, do. And this was and this was literally this was your second. You did some races in '86, but as an amateur, you had a pro am license or whatever. But this was literally your second year in the class. Right. Um, you by today's rules, you would have been able to defend the number one plate all day long. Um, and, and yeah, basically. Uh, second year, two years of one twenty fives, and that's it, kid. Get out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Jeez. Um. So any yeah. any offers from anybody? Like anything? Any? You know, nothing. Um, I mean, nothing at all. I mean, I, I mean, Suzuki basically said, um, we have nothing for you, and we kept going back and forth, pleading this and that, and they basically at the end they said, well, we'll give you some bike and expense support. So they gave me, I'm pretty sure it was four bikes. They gave me two 125s and two 250s. And they said, you know, we'll, we'll give you two 125s, two 250s, some parts, and a little bit of expenses, and, you know, you can basically yeah. hang out with a team. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so- and that's when I bought, you know, I bought my own box van and, Right, went on you know, one of the roads. So. Yeah, you and there was nothing from anybody else, so you really had no choice in the matter. <laughs> you know how fast you know how fast twenty five thousand dollars goes. <laughs> well, especially when you're riding a Suzuki. <laughs> when you have to too. buy a box van and get hire, you know pay your mechanic and right, right. Tr- all your travel expenses. Uh, and, yeah. Number eighteen in eighty nine, right? Yeah, yeah. So pretty good number for back then. Um, yep. Um, Not bad. How, how do you remember the eighty nine season going? I I remember you. I was a kid then, but I do remember. Um, you know, you ran up front at times for sure. You know, it wasn't wasn't like it was a it wasn't like you totally didn't belong in there. You made all the mains and you ran up front here and there. But right, no, eighty nine was good. Run. It was, I mean, I had some some good finishes. I mean, I mean, Red Bud, I got fourth. I mean, Kenworthy's, I got eighth. Um, you know, I got eleventh at Washougal, but 
But Supercross, I, uh, how'd you find 250 Supercross? What's that? How did you find 250 Supercross? Like how? It was, was it? it was, uh, it was tough because my bike wasn't nowhere near the same as mm-hmm. the, like the factory bike. So right. the inverted fork was still in its stages of, you know, mm-hmm. it was still harsh. The mid stroke was still harsh. It was, you know, they were struggling with, you know, the stiffness of the chassis and the, the, the mid stroke was harsh. So it really, it really came back into your arms. Yeah. And so that made it, it made it difficult, you know, to go through, you know, going from the full floater suspension to that, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, an upside down fork, being harsh and everything else from being, everything being soft and basically absorbing everything. That was a big transition. Right. So, but, um, yeah, so 89, but you, so you really didn't, and although, you know, 125 nationals, those, those are some good finishes. Top yeah, I did, yeah, I did good at right. some of the nationals, but I also got, I'm trying to remember, I think, uh. I think at Binghamton, yeah, at Binghamton, um, that was pretty. That was my last race for the year because I, um, I, me and uh, who was it? I'm pretty sure Yamaha. Um, I don't remember. Oh no, it wasn't. It was me and Jeff Glass. Um, okay. We collided in the air. Um, do you know when you used to? Where the finish line was, you used to turn, you'd go up the hill, go yeah. around the trees, and then come back down. Come back down, yeah. There was a, the, and then you the hit double. that little, you know, that drop away, and then you turn, and there was, like, that tabletop. Yeah, super cross section. We collided in the air on that tabletop, and it made me fly off the side of the bike, and I landed on my shoulder, and I separated and broke my shoulder. Oh, and uh, and I went to the hospital there in, in Binghamton, and there was a Jamaican doctor, and he's like, Oh, yeah, man, no problem. You're good. You're good. And he sent me home, and I had like a three-quarters of an inch, like, bone sticking out my shoulder. <laughs> I get home to my, my orthopedic guy, and he's like, uh, yeah, we got we to gotta get you in surgery, like, now. Jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> and so, yeah, I had surgery, and that was it. And I was done. Yeah, that was it. It's that time again. Thanks for listening to the Racer X podcast show, brought to you by BTOsports.com presented by Thor MX. I appreciate it. Don't forget to click on the Amazon banner on pulpamex.com to help out pulpamex.com. We appreciate it. Listen to these commercials. Buy from these sponsors. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com podcast show. Please don't forget that BTO is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bicar body. You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped in anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at BTOsports.com. Championship proven. Many motocross apparel brands make their claim, but only Thor can back it up. As America's first motocross apparel brand, Thor has set the standard for delivering the highest quality performance racewear on the market for the past 45 years. With champions like Ryan Villapoto, Blake Baggett, and Dean Wilson to name a few, our products truly are championship proven. To see all the new 2013 products, visit ThorMX.com or head to your local Thor Parts Unlimited dealer. Thor, the official racewear of Supercross. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex feel gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Hey, how'd you get your championship bike from Suzuki, which you, you know, you've ridden at Redbud a few times over the years and 
that's, and that's the, the thing's looking. Oh, is it? Is it a? Is well, it a trade secret? I mean, I guess it is. Yeah. I mean, you've it, written it out in the open, so surely somebody. Right. Can I mean, it. It's supposed to not exist, right. really. You put it together for parts <laughs> or whatever. It's or, supposed yeah. to. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It was. You know. There was. You know. There was. Um, what we'd call bikes turned in. Yes. But I'm not going to say that they were the right bikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I'm not blowing your cover because you did display it and race it. So. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sitting right in front of me here in my office. So pretty yeah, cool it's, to have. No, that's a pretty cool thing to have. Magnesium bottom sliders on the forks, and, yeah. you know, I checked it out. It definitely is pretty trick. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a good – I mean, it, it's, it's still to this day runs really good. Yeah, it's a nice trophy, right? Um, yep. Um, so, 89 – yeah, so '89 kind of you kind of struggle a little bit from there. What about '90? What do you remember from '90? Um, same uh, same deal. You're on a Suzuki. Same thing. Parts, bikes. Oh, actually, the, I started the season, and if you look at the results, I I didn't ride hardly any Supercrosses. Uh huh. Um, I started the season. We had we had a I had hired a marketing firm, mm-hmm. and uh, they were trying to get me outside sponsorship and everything, and. During that whole period, I got called from a team in Europe. Oh, okay. and you probably didn't know this, but no, I no. I raced, I went, and I flew over and, and moved to Italy. And uh, I lived there for I want to say like four or five months. And I I started racing the GPS, and that's I was riding against Donnie Schmidt at the time. But I rode for a company called B Cross Kawasaki. Oh, so you <clears> were you were doing the GPS? You were set. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, in fact, I was eighth in points when the team went broke. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, and it, they were. Yeah, I don't feel so, like anybody. I don't think feel like anybody listening to this outside of your close friends would have any idea. I do not yeah. remember this at all in any magazines or anything. Right. Yeah, and so you know, it's it's the team was. I mean, it was it was a kind of a newer team, and they were they were they struggled and. What made it even worse is the team manager at the time was negotiating like outside sponsorship and had had received like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to you know to help the team through the uh-huh. year and he stole all the money and and just oh, boogied. Yeah, yeah. So we you know struggled going back and forth to the races and it was it was a battle the whole yeah. time. The bikes were you know subpar. I mean they were. They were, I mean, the Kawasaki's in 90 with, um, it was basically stock with, I mean, we were running, uh, I think we were running up, I don't even know. I think I, in fact, I ran stock pipes at some places, but <laughs> I mean, it was, yeah. these guys thought that you could get all the horsepower out of the carburetor. And then, <laughs> I mean, I'd be going down the straightaways at some of those fast races, yeah. like the big, long ones. And these guys would just be blowing by me, and I'd have to go twice as fast through the corners and try and catch them against the Europeans in the corners. It's like impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. And, and so, so money. So the reason you took it though was because from the outside the money was good and the team, yeah. and everything was your best offer, huh? Right. And I mean, I there was they were paying me a salary. They gave me an apartment. They gave me a car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. guys the guys weren't bad. They were just yeah. they were a little bit um, you know bl- blind by how to, to do things properly. Yeah. I mean, they were good people, and they meant well. It's just, you know, and it, this was, it was... Yeah, this was Europe, too, back before there was internet and cell phones, and, like, this was not a Europe. Right. Travel. And, I mean, I, it was it was nuts. I mean, it was, in fact, uh, Saperiti was... I mean, I was good friends with Saperiti, and they kind of... I You know, at the end, I had to... We had, Me and my wife had to escape, because <laughs> the team went broke, and they wanted me to pay all my salary money. They wanted me to pay, like, 20 grand back to them. For expenses and bikes, and because the the team oh. went broke and they couldn't yeah, go to the race anymore, right, I'm like, right, well, right. I'm going home. Yeah, I'll see. You they're later. like, well, and they're like, no, you're going to pay us. And they they basically came, took my car keys, and said, until you pay us, you're not going anywhere. Oh man! So I called like no Zappari and stuff like that. I'm saying, you know, what am I going to do? And he's like, well, you need to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I luckily, when they took my car keys, I slipped off the ignition the ignition key. Oh, good, good and, thinking. In the middle of the night, it was like two in the morning. Me and my wife packed up eleven bags, and I went all the way because we parked our car outside of town. It was like you know yeah. a mile and a half out of town. So I ran to get the car back alley, did all the way to to our apartment. Uh-huh. We had loaded that car up with eleven bags, 
and then boogied from from our our uh, yeah. place to Milan in like two and a, two and a half hours. And, we, and I think I broke every speed limit in <laughs> Europe. <laughs> and what? Just bought a <laughs> ticket? Just just right there? Bought a ticket to go home? Wait, I had my always negotiated an, an open ticket with my contract. Oh, okay, good move. So yeah, yeah so we flew out and. Basically, when we got home, we were we kissed the ground. <laughs> um, you know, Phil Larson has another story about that, like riding for Italian Italian Kawasaki team in the late '80s. Same thing; they planted mm-hmm. drugs on him to like mm-hmm. get him off the team or something. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So you were eighth in the points, though. That's legit. Yeah. So you know, it's funny. Like I came back mm-hmm. in the first race I went to. I well, here's here's the deal. I bought a Kawasaki 125 before I left. Yeah. To just kind of get used to it. Yeah. I came back, I had rode it like six times, and I called up Dave Anilak, and he's like, well, I'll take it and give you a, he says, I'll just trade you, and you have a brand new Suzuki 125. Right. So I went and I picked up my 125 from Dave Anilak, and uh, he uh, he just, uh, you know, it was box stock. Right. I put I put a pro circuit pipe on it, and uh, took, put a pro circuit pipe on the thing, and went to Southwick with a stock bike, no suspension, and finished fourth. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Just right out of the gate. Just like, here I am. Right out of the gate. I'm yeah, ba- I'm stock back. bike. Yeah, yeah. I'm back, from, uh, I'm back from Italy. Yeah, I'm back from Italy after training and all that stuff. I think I can, uh, you know, 45-minute motos and going only 30. I'm good to go. Right, right. Oh, oh man. That, that's crazy. So, Suzuki, just, but still nobody had anything for you. It was middle of the nationals or whatever. No, oh, no. They didn't have anything. In fact, I mean, I had one, I had one bike. In the box van and went went to you know went to the races. Uh, I remember you in '91. I I raced Millville. I, th- I would think I would have raced not '91. Yeah, I think I raced the national '91. I remember you on a Kawasaki 500 though. You were short, obviously shorter guy. And, and yeah, oh and, yeah, yeah. So what made you How ride Cowie 500s in '91? Just tough, just, tough racing. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I I basically took that I took that Suzuki 125. Yeah. And I traded it. Um, I traded it to a guy in Michigan, an old like a pro guy. Um, guy what's his name? Starts with a P. Um, anyways, I traded him even up, and I took that thing home and I rebuilt it. Uh-huh. Went to the, I sent the suspension out to Mitch and got a pro circuit pipe and went to the nationals and I I was finishing decent. Um, yeah, on a five hundred. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I had fun. Um, yeah, exactly. You still had to, still had to race and still had to make a living, right? Um, oh yeah. So basically, you were kind of a privateer there for a few years, and I mean, did you get any like this? If you were racing now, if Dodd to Hoop was in 2012 with your finishes, you'd be making, you know, 50 grand a year on some satellite team. But right. back then, no, I was no, making nothing. Nothing. Yeah, <laughs> driving. To the I was racing. making enough money right. to pay. For my mechanic and for me to get to the next race, and that's it. Yeah, crazy. Um, and I still, you know, I still basically. I mean, I had a we have we had a small house back then, and it was, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, expenses were low, so it wasn't too bad. But your uh, inaugural uh, Honda Troy rider too. How did yeah. how did that deal come about? <clears throat> um, basically, Jeff Stanton um, started. What well, you know, I kind of at the middle point of the 500 series, I was riding that Kawasaki, and you know, I was you know trying to look for something for the next year. Right. And and Stanton was like, "Well, you know, Phil Alderton's you know talking about you know trying to sponsor somebody for next year." And right. so he's like, "You know, I'll call him and say that you're interested, and so we'll uh, you know see what he wants to do." And so he called him up, and then we uh, I went down and met him at. Um, at Honda Troy, and basically from that point on, start started a great friendship. And I mean, he right off the bat, he's like, "Yep, we'll, we'll do." He says, "I'll give you a bike and whatever you need for parts, and, yep. and just go and do what you need to do." And then the next year, we'll we'll sit down and we'll you know structure out a team and what we want to do. And oh, and that's okay. when we we're like, I went, I rode that for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then um, at the end of 92, we had basically kind of sat down and was like, you know, we're going to do it. You know, he was like, we're going to do a team. And he's like, what do you think we should, you know, who do you think we should get? And I was, I've always been good, good friends with Eric Kehoe. I mean, forever. 
Right. You know, when we were with Suzuki and everything else, we were always really good friends. And so, you know, Kehoe was available, and, you know, he, he picked him up, and that was our, you know, our yeah, you know, inaugural spark, and the other team started up. So. Yeah, and you rode there for years. Yeah, I rode all the way till I am 95. Right. And I actually, the end of 95, 95 was my best year, and I also got hurt. I blew my knee, I tore my ACL out in 95, and uh-huh. it was when I was going my fastest, and I got hurt. So. Damn, yeah, no doubt. Um, did you envision the Honda of Troy turning into what it was or what it became? I mean, did you, well, did you see that kind of future? Scott and, yeah, Scott and Phil always had, always had you know, a, a big a big dream of, you know, doing something like that. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, they wanted to be legitimately uh, a competition for Pro Circuit. They wanted to build a satellite team that was someone that could be contesting against Pro Circuit every weekend and, and, and winning. And that was that was his goal. And, you know, once, you know, you know, for a lot of the time, we did really well. I mean, then, you know, with a lot of the guys, they were they were very close. I mean, very close and and winning certain things. But yeah. when you know he switched the Yamahas and they picked up Chad Reed, it was yeah, yeah, you know, it was a whole nother level. Uh, were you saddened to hear of Phil's problems and then his uh, his passing? Um, yeah, I'd say I was extremely saddened because yeah. <laughs> it was it was very difficult because me and Phil were were you still were, very, yeah, were you still in touch with him here and there? Uh, off and on, yeah. yeah. But you know, we would talk, but. You know, it's <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's sad. It's oh. you know, once you're addicted to something and you've been drugged down that far, it's it's hard to to get any yeah any any help that will is legitimate enough to bring you out. Yeah, it seemed like every time he got on the straight and narrow, you'd hear, "Oh, Phil's back on the straight and narrow," and goddamn, right. if not six months later, you would you'd hear Phil's, right. Phil's disappeared again. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it seemed right. like the guy had more ups and downs than, than the stock market you know which yeah, is sad. i think it's the same i think it's the same story with any kind of person that's you yeah. know taking yeah. that avenue it's, right you know it's very very difficult to get yourself you out of that hole you had the black honda choice right weren't your bikes black at one point black and red yeah, kind of cool the first in 94 we did the whole black yeah. bike and I, I had the i don't know if you remember my race hauler i had that big international race hauler oh, with yeah, a big yeah. wing on the side that's of it. That's right. Yeah, you did. Well, that was yours? Or that was, yeah. I thought that was Flipper's? Yeah, I bought, okay. it. I bought it and actually okay. built that myself. Oh, all right. Okay. Yeah, that thing, yep. I thought that was always Flipper's thing. All right. Yeah, no. so that was cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, kind of my my um, my uh, entrance into the semi thing. So One of the questions I have was, like, when did you realize it was time to hang up the boots? But, I mean, geez, like, only a few years ago you were still racing. I'm I'm actually still riding um, yeah. and still racing like some stuff locally. Yeah, yeah, like um, you never really quit. I mean, obviously the level isn't the same, but I mean, right. I remember when I worked for Kelly Smith in '01, you were still racing a lot. Yeah, you know, so yep. it's like you've never really stopped. <laughs> well, you know, I just you know, I my results have kind of been always through the years, but I you know, I've never, you know, I've always loved the sport and I've always loved riding and I love the competition. You know, and so it was one of those things where, you know, you you can never let it die. It's always one of those things that's in inside you. You're just like yeah. you want to be part of it. Even even now, when I'm watching like Supercross or outdoors, and yeah. you know, I'm like, you know, if I if I train for for four months <laughs> solid and and get a good run, you know, get a a, a good right. run in 450, I you know, I know I can go out and finish top 20. <laughs> it's like, and then all of a sudden something hits you and you're like, well, eh, probably not. Well, yeah. How old are you now? I'm 44. Yeah. Yeah, I well, you know, I'm, I know. I mean, if Dowd can do it, I know. Like at certain tracks, at Redbud, I know I can. I know oh, I can qualify. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much positive. If I took two months and trained and rode all the time, I'm yeah. pretty sure I could do top twenty. Yeah, why? Not? John Dowd is forty nine, right? Right. And right. yeah, he's he's he finished thirteenth this summer. Thirteenth. Yeah. So why not yeah. you? Right? Like he's absolutely, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Like it's now my speed is my, my speed is still there. Right. I mean, it's just only for five laps. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so I, I have a Stroker 125 that I ride against the 450s here at, at home, and there's only one guy that can beat me, and I wrote and on, on a 144. Right, right, jeez. And it's, I mean, it's it's um, awesome. It's fun as heck to ride. Where do you, uh, where do you put yourself in the in the Michigan Mafia? Where, where would you would Stanton be number one? Yeah. Obviously. Um, yep. Where where are you? Where are you? Somewhere around? Are you around the Nick I'd Way say, level? I'd, you know, you obviously around? you got, um, we got Stanton, 
I mean, Bowen, but yeah. he never won anything, but certainly won some races. Um, yeah, he was good. I would, you know, I know. I mean, I think Swink is probably yeah, around second. Yeah. And you know, because he had some really good finishes, he was really strong, and you know, he just yeah. But um, you know, I, you know, Eddie was really good. Yeah. Alan King was really good. Yeah. I mean, Alan King, another guy that um, you don't think of much, but he won some nationals. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was guys that were. I mean, have, you know, all were really good. I mean, even Billy Frank is from Michigan originally. He is. I mean, yeah. Who knew? Oh yeah. Yeah. We, he grew up with me and Jeff. I mean, we were. That's all the guys that battled together. Billy Frank. But, I didn't know. I always thought yeah. he was a California guy. I always thought he was a California guy. No, and then, um, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'd probably put myself somewhere around fourth. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, right but you know, yeah, yeah. Nico's going really good now. I mean. You know, there's guys. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. No, I know. Tickles from Tickles from Michigan. I mean, originally. Originally, I know. You, you don't. He's from Holly, Michigan. So I mean, you got to throw him in there. Right. I mean, Nico. I mean, there's there's guys I'm leaving out. I know there's somebody Nick, I'm, Nick I'm not Way. thinking of. Nick Way. Yeah, Nick. I mean, you got Nick in there. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm in the in. I'm right. in the middle. Do you have Do you have one of his Moto Mafia shirts or whatever? I don't. Uh, no. You, you need to get no. him, Hoopster. Yeah. Um, yeah. You are part of that crew. Um. Although he's he wants to make sure that people know that it's not just for Michigan people that'll hurt sales. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, me and Nick, I, we go way back, and yeah. he's a great, great guy. Uh, best race ever. Give me your bet. I mean, I, obviously you've done so many and you've won a lot, but is there and even doesn't he need to be, doesn't even need to be a win. Maybe it was some race where you you know you came from last, but is there one race that stands out uh, for you over the years? Um. You know, obviously winning the Supercross Championship was great, even though I didn't win at New Jersey. I mean, LaRocca won that night, but I had, I broke my, my clutch lever off again. Right. That one of the things we didn't have back then was the nice folding clutch levers. But, yeah. um, you know, that was, a good, that was a good night. But there was the night, I think, probably the one that stands out that was really cool was Dallas Supercross in the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I led for... I, I led for That's right. 12 laps. You lap. were Honda Troy. You were 32? Yeah. No. 25. 25. Yeah, the Henry yep. won, right? The race of Henry won. Yep. 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 And right. the only reason, I mean, I'm not going to say the only reason, but the majority of the reason I didn't win and couldn't, you know, is my, <laughs> Mark, Mark Schaff, um, he didn't, or he didn't wire tie my grips. Okay. So every time, every time I turned the throttle, yeah. the throttle turned back. <laughs> right. So I would turn it, and it would turn back. So I couldn't, I couldn't jump the doubles because I'd give it. A, I mean, I'd hold on as tight as I could and turn it. Yeah. And then it would turn back, and I'd like it would shut off. And I was like, so I had to slow down like a whole a ton. And I was like, I was bummed. I, I, I still did, I still did good, but. Yeah, I mean, you you have to, uh, <clears throat> you have to uh, uh, wire tie those grips. Yeah, that's kind of crucial in the mud race. Um, no oh. doubt. What about a worst race? What about what about one that that comes to mind that that uh, you want to forget? Maybe I mean maybe the seat uh, uh, coming. No, off that one. Bit. No, there's there's a few of them out there. There's, but I'm trying to think of what the worst one was. Um, uh, Troy, Ohio was. I had a couple of them. <laughs> there was one that I hit the I hit one of the trees in the back head on, and I knocked myself out. Um, <laughs> I also got. Do you know where they in the back there where they used to call it the Widowmaker? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. damn double. It really wasn't that big. I don't think it made many no. widows. It wasn't very. Oh no, well, right. the problem is, is like in the start of the race, like on the first lap, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you'd come around there and everyone's bunched up. There's some guys that wouldn't do it. So, right. All right. well, I I didn't do it and I jumped, went over and then I you know went and I you know yeah. went and well the guy behind me did it and landed right on top of me. Oh yeah yeah that was. Hard. And I don't even I mean I I remember. Being hit, but yeah. I don't remember anything after that. Yeah, yeah. I was in, until I got up in the hospital. What year would that have been? Um, that was um, that was Honda Troy. Oh, Honda Troy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about Dean Baker? You still talk to him? I think he worked for you. Oh didn't yeah. He? He, I don't talk to him. I mean, I talk to him every time I go to yeah. like Indianapolis. Right. Stuff whenever like that. you see him at the race, I think he he was one of your mechanics, though, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. I do. I do. At the in the beginning stages of the Honda Troy days. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I do remember that. He's a, Dean's a great guy. He's a really good guy. Um, yeah, definitely. Good mechanic. Really smart. <laughs> yeah, he still is. He, he still is. Um, still around with JGO. But. Um, well, yeah, and so, like you said, your, your racing thing is still, your racing career is still going. So, do you, um, biggest regret, obviously, probably not getting to run that plate, right? Probably pointing out. 
those, those yeah. Super D supercars you know, races. <laughs> I always say my biggest regret back then was mm-hmm. not being, I think the whole thing of not being, like, super sociable and, like, mm-hmm. I was I was really, like, serious and up, <laughs> uptight back then. Yeah, yeah. And I was just, like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just wasn't big into, I mean, I had a little bit of Bradshaw in me where I was just, like, you know, I, yeah. I just, I just don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to race and do my thing. <laughs> right, right. And I and I w- wish I would have been more social and promoted myself better. Right, you know, right, just right. been just been better at being uh, an ambassador of the sport and just like okay, I'm here to have fun and and talk to the people and I just you know I didn't promote myself very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was one of the big things well, that yeah. I regret. I mean, obviously, I'm just growing up in Canada as a fan and. Uh, you know, I started being a mechanic in 95, 96, um, mm-hmm. near the end of your run. And I can't remember too many stories about Todd DeHoop, the Supercross champion, or interviews or anything like that. So, no. like, you know, and I mean, no. obviously this was MXA, was the only guy around, you know, most for the most part. But you're right, you, you, you kind of didn't get a lot of exposure. No, I, and I wasn't, you know, it wasn't because I, you know, I don't know, it wasn't because I was a dick or anything right. like that. I was yeah, just, just, I was just, I just wasn't. Is outgoing, and my wife is super outgoing, and I'm, I'm not. You know, if people know me, they know me because I'm. I'll, I'll talk all day long. Yeah, I'm yeah. Just, I'm, I'm pretty outgoing. I'm more outgoing now because of all the regrets I've, I've <laughs> had in my past. I'm right. just like, you know, <laughs> I need to open up and talk to people, and I have to now because it's my job. Yeah, yeah. Good point, right? You're selling. Yeah. Right. Um, well, so I'm, I mean, I'm glad my 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 uh, douchey column saying you were lucky to win the title got you to contact me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because I, you know, I just don't. I mean, and that's one of the big things I regret is like, you know, I, I got one cover on motocross action like in '92, and I just, I just, you know, there's certain things I didn't, I didn't go out of my way to approach people like you and and try yeah. and talk to them and or, yeah. or, or befriend them, and I, I regret that. Yeah. I mean, the only guy I ever was really good friends with was Kenny Jones. Oh yeah, yeah, still around. And I'm good still friends the, with yeah. Kenny. Still, still at the races now. Yeah. I mean, I've I've known Kenny from when I was riding Yamahas. I mean, you know, and he's really good friends with one of my best friends. That's a he's a Secret Service agent. So it's like, you know, it's like we're just we're yeah. in a tight knit group there. and We've always been good friends. Right, right. Uh, favorite Michigan track other than Redbud? Other um, than Redbud, because everybody says Redbud. So, well, I would say Big Air. Big up, Air? Up north. Is, still, yeah. is it still there? Have you ever been to it? Uh, that's the guy who won the lottery and built a track? Long time ago. Yeah, he 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 won the lottery, but Mark and Matt Powers own okay. it now. All and right. they used to own Powers Motorsports, and they do, like, the SGO, like, fair series here. Yep. And they, they kind of okay. – and Mark Powers is the – he's one of the big reps for Fox. Okay. I, I was there years ago. Yeah, I went there. I've been to Grattan. I've been to some okay. other small ass track out by where Kelly Smith lives, like in Lennington out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've been there. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's about my, and of course Redbud. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Redbud obviously right. the top, but Big Air is for me. It's close to home, and it's got really good terrain up and down hills, and it's got sand and and clay, and tell me, it's just fun. It's fun to ride. Tell me, Tim Ritchie still gets you passes to Redbud every year? Please tell me he does. Actually, he's never gotten me a pass. That. Um, that mf'er, that's ridiculous. no, and it's not. It's not because I mean, well, actually, Amy got me a pass. I think okay. one time, but well. I've never actually had to get passes for there because, um, all right, you know, AMA is is uh, they've always hooked me up. Okay. That's one of the things that the promoters and AMA, I mean, have always hooked me up. Right. Okay. It's always been good yeah. to me. Dodd DeHoop does not pay to get in a track in Michigan. That's my, that's, that's my <laughs> no. That's my or so or much. any any national or Supercross. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, Coom, yeah I mean, Coombs I've, will take care of you very well. Dave, Davey will always get you something. No, no, Davey, no yeah. Davey Coombs. I tell you what, me and Davey and my dad and his dad and everything else, mm-hmm. we go back really? all the way. We go back forever. You know, he got he got ninth on a KTM at Daytona once. Davey, yeah, it Davey isn't the did. fact that I mean, from you know, so much racing together, but right, right. I mean, we. From the magazine. I mean, we hung days. out. I mean, as when we were very young. I mean, Davy is. I mean, we're friends of the family. But my dad and his dad, we, you know, friends for a long time. But we laid out like in, oh, like '82. We oh, laid okay. out the 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 national for the amateur nationals at Brownville, Pennsylvania, on a golf course. We walked it together. Wow. Four of us together. We, we laid out the track. We said, "Well, we'll, we'll make it go this <laughs> way. We'll make it go that way." How funny! It's yeah. crazy back How then. How funny is that? Yeah. 
Um, well, hey, Todd, thank you for doing the uh, Racer X uh, podcast sponsored by BTOsports.com and presented by uh, Thor MX. Uh, you never wore Thor, but you should have. Yeah, I did, I did wear Thor. Oh, you did? Okay, oops, yeah. oops never mind that. <laughs> um, I did wear Thor. Actually, uh, they're a great company. Yeah, yep. fantastic. They, they sponsor this podcast. Um, yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad we did this. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to catch up with you. And, and like I said at the top of the show, probably the most underrated 125 Supercross champion ever, I would think. I, I'd have to look back, but definitely one of the most. Um, guy, you know, just people you don't hear from these days and a guy who managed to – to beat the best of the best to win the 88-125 East Coast is uh, it's pretty cool, man, i got to say. So thank you for doing this. Well, I appreciate you, you know, letting me do this. And, you know, it was, I, you know, I had a great time. I had a, you know, a great career. I had many great memories. And, you know, my big thing is, you know, to tell any of the guys listening that are, you know, doing the series now is if you're doing the series now, you should, be, you should have a journal and write 15 minutes down of every day of what you do because when you get older – and you look back, you won't be able to remember a quarter of all the great memories that you have. Good point. And it's, you know, you, you look back now and you think of all the, you, know, you have different people come up and say, oh, you remember, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, <laughs> but it's just amazing that all the, the cool things you get to do and all, you just take it for granted. You get to travel yeah. and all the thousands of people you meet. And it's just amazing, you know, and all the millions of people that are involved in the sport and then all the, unbelievably great sponsors that through the years have had sponsored me that just you know they're just unbelievably fantastic people right right well said you're absolutely right uh thanks again man i appreciate it i'm sure we'll see you at the races right oh absolutely i'll be at indy and uh red bud so i don't miss them all the same all right thanks todd thank you have a good night see ya see ya bye thanks for listening to this episode of the steve mathis show Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.